Welcome to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> We're back, Kate! We're back, baby! Uh, and I guess I can tell our listeners the big news. Yeah! <laughs> Let them know! Let them know uh, that I am officially a married man. I am off the yeah. market. <laughs> you like texted oh, the picture listens. and I Beth, screamed. Beth poked into the into the into the recording <laughs> studio. I think she was concerned that I was telling the world about it and I just said, people don't listen to us. No. <laughs> oh, you know, my joke about being off the market, I get it. She was like, I thought you were already I see. off. Very true. I've been off the market for a while. It was a nonsensical <laughs> joke. <laughs> congrats. I mean, I've already said this to you, but congratulations. It's so great and cool. And I like yelled when I saw the picture. Oh, do you want to like tell a little bit about it or do you, is it, are you going to shroud it in mystery? I'll shroud it in a little bit of mystery. Okay. Um, I won't get into I'm meaning I won't just get into the D de- I won't get into the full details. Yeah. I will tell them that this, that we did go to Vegas over the weekend. We didn't tell yeah. anybody. We just did it. Um, it was a secret until we decided to announce, tell our families the next day, <laughs> and then friends and family, and other friends, and other family. But the the chapel, this will tie right into the podcast. Um, <laughs> the chapel that we chose to go to to get married um, is the Graceland Wedding uh, Chapel in Las Vegas, and the reason we chose that is because David Harbor, you know, who played Hellboy himself, of course, uh, posted that him. That him that he got married recently at that chapel. <laughs> and I was like, what about that one? We looked maybe at one oh, other, boy. and we we're like, oh, this one looks fine. So we went to the one that David Harbor amazing got married at. <laughs> so you're married to this franchise as much as you are to Beth. Yes, exactly. So I wasn't um I wasn't intending to give you this as like a wedding present, but I'm just gonna spoil like before I even give it to you, I'm just gonna spoil Uh-oh. it and sh- show you what I got you. No way! It? Yeah, Kate it's got from that light box uh, tote bag, dude. Yeah, you spent that money for me. It was really not that much when I looked at because you don't need you didn't need to buy a ticket. You could literally just buy this bag, and oh, I got yeah. myself one too. I was like, oh, of yeah, Kate. Of course, it's really cool. I'll take a picture, or I guess there's like better pictures of it online. Well, uh, that's great. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yes, you're that. welcome. That looks awesome. I can't wait to tote around in that with I'll that. I'll drop it. I'll t-shirt cannon it to you. That'd be pretty cool if you did that. <laughs> I I actually got you a small thing too. It's just not arrived. So I recently I posted online that I ordered those t-shirts. I posted online. Yeah. I, the Abe, I got the Abe in the broom. Sorry, the Blood Queen. Then uh, the Blood Queen design just doesn't do it for me. It's not. That's it, fair. They. It, it, it's weird. Uh, it's just my taste. I uh, the one on the bottom. The other, the ones you did get look really great. Oh yeah, the new and and the new T-shirts, the Abe and the Broom are done with a softer fabric. They have that option. Oh, nice. Really nice. Lovely. The, the arms might shrink. The premium. A bit, but... What'd you get? The premium. I don't know if I got. The... I don't think the arms are shrinking. I think you're getting buff. I'm not. I stopped working out. I'm just getting fat. Just buff. No, no, that's muscles. No shame. No shame. That's um, muscles. Yeah, all right. I'll take it. <laughs> but I don't that's what I say to myself when I'm like, 
<laughs> yeah. Just been like steadily, coolly gaining weight throughout this whole quarantine. Like I'm muscle. sure like a lot of people have. Yeah, tons of muscles. I say that I'm carbo loading, that I'm uh what is it? Um when you're like gaining mass, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. You're like I'm that's like, what I'm working I'm towards. That so it can become I'm strong you're stronger. Right? I'm getting stronger, but also my knee sounds like a plastic bag getting crumpled up. Oh, no, my knees are bad too. So tell me all about that. Yeah, knees are the worst. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it sounds like a haunted door when I like <laughs> sit down in a chair. Uh, but with those t-shirts, I bought two stickers. Ooh, um, that they I love offered. a sticker. I was like, Screw it, I'm gonna get them. But because we're for our podcast, I we are uh, unofficially. I'm the Hellboy, and you're the Abe. I got me a Hellboy like sticker decal from Gigantic Brewing Threadless, and I got you an Abe Sabian. Hell yeah! Oh, I, thank you. I think they got sent separately because I didn't see them in the bag with my T-shirts. I hope. Oh, that hope yeah, that makes up. sense. Hope I didn't throw them away on accident. But I bet you're good. <laughs> but yeah, uh, cool. I thank you again for that bag. I really uh, uh, yeah, you're nice welcome. But yeah, that's great. But speaking of us buying each other things, but that doesn't tie into our next segment. Our next segment is a segment we haven't had for a while because, as you know, we, we thought it would get quiet about these things. It's yeah. a segment called Hell in the Cinema. Woo! I just thought this was funny because most of the articles about this are pretty much pointing out that the 2019 Hellboy movie did not do well. Yeah. But therefore, it's still getting an upcoming um, release in China. It has a Chinese theatrical re- release date. I am it's, surprised that it didn't get released so much. To, I mean, me is too. that common? Like, I thought movies were released, like, worldwide around similar times. But I guess I never... That was just, like, an assumption. I have no basis for that. Yeah, same here. I don't know. I guess it's depending on what how the marketing or how they want to roll it out for the maybe it'll make its money back in China. Like sometimes stuff, sometimes stuff in China does like super well, especially like action movies. I like, doesn't like Tom Cruise, like clean up in China. Cause he's like a huge action star. I mean, obviously he's a big action star here, but it's like multiple multiply that by five out in China. I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I'm talking on my, Right no, now. I mean, I'm not for sure on Tom Cruise, but I do. I think you're right, though. I think there's like franchises that we go, that movie was terrible or like, what? It didn't do that movie got a sequel. And it's probably because the international market. Yeah, is there for like, it cleaned up. So it's like they don't care. They'll re- still release it here because they're going to get some money, but they're just going to make all their money, as you said. In yeah. uh, overseas and other pl- in other countries, so yeah, I mean it's pretty crazy. November 9th, China will be have Hellboy. I'm I also I'm wondering if it because I think a lot of times China, I don't know. I mean Disney got a little beef, uh, recently for like editing Mulan, I believe, and requirements to China. I'm I don't oh. know if that. I don't know if like release dates depending too, and also like if they tweak it at all for like the China market. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I've heard like they take out a lot of gay stuff for, for like the Chinese version of movies. Horrible. I don't, I mean, these. Are, I'm just like, I feel like my mom right now, I'm like repeating an article I read months ago. 
So I don't totally, you know, don't take my word for it. For sure. <laughs> uh, but it is just funny. I, 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 I'm gonna, I gotta reiterate, like that they all the articles about this, which I'm taking from CBR.com. They constantly just said that like it was a flop, but it's still getting released in China, and like flops are crazy because it said it earned a disappointing twenty one point nine million stateside, which just to me immediately being a middle class American, it's just like oh that's a huge amount of money. I just looked it up, and the budget was like fifty, 50. million. It did not yeah. make its money back, and then, yeah, and an additional overseas twenty two point seven six. So I guess it went. But China's like a huge market. They yeah. could make like a bunch of money right now. I guess to be a hit movie, based on these numbers, you just have to make your money back in one market to be considered a hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to make over, over. Just over your budget, budget. right? Like if you may, think if you even hit even in the market, I'm assuming they don't consider it success. You know what I mean? They're like, no, yeah. you got to make more money than what your budget. To me, that just makes me go, if I eventually get to make movies like I want to, I'm like, I just want to do low-budget movies. The, the, like, the yeah. pressure of making $50 million back. And, like, there's movies that are now $500 million. Right. It's like, that, that sounds hor- horrendous, like that stress. Yeah. I mean, with a movie like, I mean, that's probably like a movie, like a Star Wars or something, yeah. like something that's going to just based on the name of it, make some money, most likely. Right. We have one more thing to discuss in Hell in the Cinema. Um, it's just a, it's a quote taken from a comicbook.com um, article um, about the possibility of a Guillermo del Toro uh, Hellboy 3, which people are still holding on that they'll, they'll get one. But they asked Doug Jones about it, who plays Abe Sabian. And, of course, he said this. Um, he said, if they were to do such a thing and I was offered that and I was free to do, do so, hell yes, I would be involved. It's like, it's yeah, like, obviously, it's like this, all the hypotheticals in there. Like, yeah, if they wanted to do that, if they asked me, it's like, yeah, but I don't think it's, yeah. I think Guillermo is not even interested from what they, what we've discussed. It's just no. so, I mean, I love Hellboy. There's a part of me that goes like, guys, just go read the fucking comic book. Let's stop fans. Let's stop pining for another movie right now because we're not going to get it. The last one didn't do it. Do us justice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're just going to have to wait another like 10 years for it to reset again. Yeah. You know, hopefully maybe it's a series as we've already discussed. I was just thinking about Doug Jones because I was rewatching the first season of What We Do in the Shadows, and he's in it as oh yeah this like Baron character. Yeah, he's very funny he's, as the Baron. He's so funny. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Like, and then I haven't watched yeah. the Star Trek Discovery, but he's supposed to be great on that too. Oh, I didn't even. Of course, that's him. I didn't even realize that was him. Yeah. But yeah, I instantly realize who it is now. Yeah. <laughs> Any guy, any tall guy in a suit, just fucking assume. Just it's like the Doug. same with like Andy Circus. It's either Andy Circus or Doug Jones. How right. tall are they? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that is it for hell, hell in the cinema. There's nothing new coming. It's just China in a hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's all we got for segment wise. We're gonna get right now into the. And so the next two um, stories we're going to discuss, which are which is from War on Frogs. Um, yeah. Now, 
before we get to the credits, War of Frogs is is sort of complicated, and it, it's not um it's not a running storyline per se. It's these little like in a sense vignettes is the best way to describe it. Yeah, taking place in t- in timelines versus you know BPRD facing off against the frogs, and they just decided to reorder a bunch of stuff, meaning Scott Alley Boo and and uh, Mignola decided to like. I mean, it's probably mainly Scott Alley as an editor that did it, but they reordered them. So just to be clear, like we're we're because the show mainly goes off uh, chronologically. We're following the collection version, so it sort of breaks the chronological part, um, right? Because we're just going to go with the omnibus edition uh, order. That's what we're running off of. So cool. we're going off of the BPRD Plague of Frogs Volume Two way order of War of Frogs, which just to let you know, like the first chapter was originally the chapter one of the Black Flag. So back when we covered Black Flag, we didn't cover that issue. We decided to be like, right, or not, and then. Good or bad reasons, the end of this run, which will come in uh, the third, the third part of covering this, is the epilogue to Black Flag. Which probably, if you're, I would suggest if you're reading Black Flag, or not Black Flag. Keep saying I said Black Flag so many times just now, the band name and not <laughs> not the Black Flame. Uh, <laughs> but the if you're reading Black Fla- Flame for the first time, that storyline, you you would continue on to read what's the epilogue. But we're yeah. gonna read that at the end of this. After covering the War of Frogs, we're just gonna then cover uh, the Black Flame epilogue because that's what it was retitled. We didn't cover it in Black Flame, so we're gonna do it now. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit confusing. One of the story ri- lines is literally called the Revival, which was a one-off. Then they put it into this War of the Frogs. The rest is literally just like they just shifted things around. <laughs> like like right. War of Frogs number one became two. Two became four, and you know what I mean. And and three was became that epilogue, and it's just so. To make it simpler for us, we're doing from PB, BPRD Plague of Frogs Volume Two, the War of Frogs Run, plus the Black Flame epilogue for the next yeah. three episodes. So yeah. sorry if that was a little long witted and cluttered, but that's what we're doing. I wanted to just clarify to explain. that. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not always easy to go by the public, you know, like stuff gets published and it's, yeah. Yeah. And they reorder Retro. Yeah. So let me correct myself after, because I've continued to say in this episode, War of Frogs. It just seems to run off the tongue a little more quickly for me. Yeah. So yeah. The air. And they sound similar. <laughs> yes. They are very similar. Thank you yeah. for, uh, but the, the story is called War on Frogs, not War of Frogs. Just like how I earlier said Black Flag a bunch of times before realizing I was meaning the Black Flag. Oh, instead of Black Flame. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, um, let's get into the story, the first chapter. You can give us some... Let's talk about the, the cover, then we'll go into credit. Yeah, the cover, we have three of the frog creatures with their tongues all like writhing about like little tentacly kind of things. The top one is holding the skull, the Black Flame. Uh, head and they're also surrounded by little bats and on top of a pile of skulls as they like to do like something of a little altar but also kind of just like looks like the ruins of a of attacking people yeah um it's really it's really cool 
It's a very cool uh, cover, and it's very interesting that like when they didn't make a new cover for this this story, they just you know used the one that was originally published. It's interesting that that this story, as we'll find out, besides the the end and what it leads to in the next issue, which would become Black Flame number number two, would become Black Flame number one. Yeah, in the reordering, it's interesting that the only thing that is directly related to this uh, issue. This issue is the yeah. cover to the Black Flame. Yeah, it does yeah. sort of like sort of just stick out as something that's just a leading somewhere, not directly part of the Black Flame story. Yeah, it's not like calling up anything from the specific one. Yeah, you could kind of apply this one to any number of stories, like in this kind of area. But it works cool for this one. I like it. Yeah, uh, I do too. It's still a good cover. Yeah. And this, uh, it's the stories by Mike Mignola and John Arcuti, art by Guy Davis, uh, colors by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins. Nice. And yeah, uh, and it starts off where in like a subterranean tunnel, there's like big, it's like a big round tunnel with cool like steel heavy kind of doors. And there's just a dozen or more of the frogs using trash and like a license plate that's ripped in half uh just like various things that they can make shift tools and they're scratching all their little like sigils and stuff onto the walls you know trying to bring about katha hem as we know from reading the black flame earlier and then they have their like gross like tongues and animal carcasses and candles kind of alter glowing like illuminating the whole thing and then another thing illuminates that room and it's a big ass flamethrower <laughs> explosion <laughs> yeah. or something some kind of like grenade launcher thing i'm assuming they just that i'm assuming whatever it is that based off the images the thing that they're like that door that they're like Oh yeah, on. they like blasted they just that blasted open. Blasted open. <laughs> yeah, and so there's just like instant frog carcasses everywhere, like crazy. Like uh, it's you know we got like Johan, Liz, Daimyo, and Roger uh, flanked by like you know a team of BPRD agents, and Daimyo is just blasting like incendiary grenades at these guys. Like time to die, you slimy sex of pus. Like really action. <laughs> hero kind of stuff yeah he's very 80s action hero right? that's what it feels like you know what movie i watched the other day was tango and cash have you ever seen that movie i remember seeing it on tv i don't think i've seen it from start to finish for it's real. it's as far as bad dumb action movies that are so bad they're good i think it's like really a gem Ooh, good to know it's so dumb it's so dumb <laughs> <laughs> it's great though, and I love I love Stallone and I love Kurt Russell and they're I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan. Oh man, I definitely worth watching then because it's oh it's it's golden. It's so dumb. Uh, okay, I love it's incredible. I'll, I'll definitely it's, check it out. It's so fun. But that's what it kind of reminded me of. There's a lot of like nice one-liners in that movie, and then of course like then it's just a couple of great panels of. The BPRD agents just ripping into these frogs, just <laughs> blasting them. And then they think they're pretty much done. But Daimyo's like, okay, now we're going to move over to... And then, like, a frog jumps in from behind, and then he's just instantly covered in these guys. 
But Roger, who has like fully been impressed upon by Daimyo's personality, his like fully his own action star and comes in just beating off the uh, uh, you know, punching these guys. Yeah, he punches a bunch of frogs. First. He's knocking them out. He's like completely like in one swipe, knocking off like three frogs. Um, off of Daimyo, rescues him, starts blasting one-handed with a huge, like, assault rifle. It's okay, Roger, I'm fine. And, like, Daimyo starts, like, shooting along with him. <laughs> and then that's, like, further illustrated in the next two pages how much, like, Roger is taken after Daimyo. We see it in this one panel, a close-up of Daimyo's hand, striking a match and lighting his cigar, talking to other agents about like just like killing frogs and stuff and Liz is yeah. like Liz there's is like, a lot of it's interesting too though that there was a lot of foreshadowing of what's to come probably not like 100% but like like I love how this medic is like that should hold you for now back at HQ I'll be able to get another look at you he's like no offense as he's lighting a cigar no yeah. offense there doc but I have my own guy for stuff like this. Yeah. And then he's like, be careful what you wish for, huh, Daimyo? That's Liz. I, or yeah. I think that's Liz. Maybe yeah, it's, it's Liz. No, it's that's like, Liz, oh, I it think. Is Liz. She's like, huh, I don't get it. <laughs> it's like, right. he's, his attitude is, I mean, maybe that's, in a sense, it's this attitude here that's early set in. Sort of leads to the idea of him panicking when he loses control you know what i mean yeah he thinks he's got everything in order and then it's like uh oh he's like all tough exterior even though he kind of almost got you know that almost got the better of him a second ago you know and now he's back to being like with his like badass walls up and stuff yeah and liz is like yeah you're so eager to be killing frogs now look at you so like and he's saying yeah well this is not a big deal this is a great phase one and this one BPRD agent who kind of gets shit on throughout the issue a little bit. Yeah, Navarro. He's <laughs> like, what's phase one? Yeah. <laughs> phase one. <laughs> phase one, what's that? And then uh, we see another close-up shot of a match getting struck, but this time it's Roger, and he's lighting his own cigar in the exact same way, in the exact same pose as Daimyo, sitting yeah. right next to him, so there's no mistaking it. And they're just talking about like, oh, well, why are why, the the agents like, how come we're not just totally carpet bombing this place? And then you see Johan like taking pictures of all of the different like carvings on the wall and stuff like that. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, we're doing like research here. So we got to go in kind of manually killing all of these things. And meanwhile, like Liz and like as they start to move out to move to the other levels, Liz is sort of talking to Johan like, yeah, Roger's really taking after Daimyo. Johan's like, yeah, well, his personality is super strong. And she's like, yeah, that's what worries me. And then, bam, like, crash, more frogs erupt <laughs> through the grate that they're walking on. And they just have to, like, keep blasting. They, like, shoot down a some sort of, like, explosive device, which blows an even bigger hole. Daimyo's like, hey, I found a shortcut, like more <laughs> badass one-liner stuff. Phew, I thought it smelled bad up there. Jesus, Navarro, do you ever stop bitching? <laughs> like, <laughs> Great moment. <laughs> yeah, really funny. They're kind of in this like even, you know, even more, uh, even like deeper tunnel in the earth. And it's like debris is all over the ground. Liz is like, hey, there's one. And then like 50 more frogs show up. So same old story. They're like just shooting and shooting and shooting, but they're kind of starting to get overwhelmed now. Mm -hmm. They're getting surrounded and the frogs are on both sides and they're, they're, the 
taking some cat like BPRD it's taking some casualties a guy's fucking head gets chomped off people are getting ripped in half and they're just empty and yeah they're like this is fucking bad they're just emptying their clips finally they're like done for what they from what they can see like there's there were just way way more than they thought they're surrounded by frog bodies and the smoke is kind of clearing. Daimyo kind of says something like in a flippant way about like, he says, so what's the score so far? And Liz kind of, it's like sort of boiling over. Liz is kind of pissed at him and doesn't like his attitude and stuff. And she's like, mm-hmm. she's like, fuck you, like score. You can't, you shouldn't talk about like our friends who have died in that kind of a way. And he's like, yeah, it's just an expression. Liz is basically saying like, you're detached. But Daimyo is saying like, this is just a tough like basically like this is a tough job and i have to keep it like you know that's just a way to talk about it that works for him yeah and they're sort of like continuing to bicker about it basically along those lines like up until roger's like oh like i was gonna go clear this chamber and this is what i found it it's making noises they go into the next chamber and there's this enormous egg sack basically like a giant kind of translucent bubble with something crawling around in it takes out a a light and it illuminates this giant like either what used to be a frog and then has since been turned into just an egg sack it's like the body of a frog that looks almost like dried out and like uh like the top looks like dead in a way that like it's almost like a shell like did you guys ever have cicadas they're like bugs that come around like once every twenty five years. I never had them. I know what you're talking about. I've never had them. Where on the East Coast, they come around a lot, I, but like on years when they come around, they'll land on trees and like leave their shells. They'll like shed their shell, so their shells are left on the tree and they look like a full bug. That's almost like what this looks like to me, except for of course, like the bottom is like a still totally alive moving thing. It's like it's totally yeah. nasty. They're like little tadpoles in there. Uh the one the one agent kind of m- squishes into Navarro. it. Navarro. Navarro really goddamn Navarro dude. This is like why you shouldn't like pl- jump on a waterbed. <laughs> He's like touching it and it kind of goes like blah, 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 gush and just explodes. With covering him with like all this liquid and little tadpoles. Daimyo was like, we're going to need, like, this is a nest. We're going to need another platoon in here. Liz is like, I got it under control. Daimyo and Liz are still kind of like butting heads. Like, like we still have another level. You can't do this. She's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing this right now. Daimyo clears all the other agents out. I love how she doesn't speak to him. She just does act. She just makes an action by... And just starts going into her meditation. Yeah. The fire is not my enemy. It is part of me. From what she learned in that temple. I love that. And she's he's just like, well, she's made her decision. Everybody clear out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's happening. It's already happening. And she just like lights up all of these egg sac kind of like frog creature remnants. Um, and she's continuing her like fire mantra. It is mine. And she's blasting all these guys a couple little tadpoles do get fl- kind of flushed down into a grate into a drain where we see some mysterious hands picking them up putting them in a cooler a zinco brand cooler and then walking <laughs> away with them uh there's like a guy in a full like bubble head kind of like almost scuba suit looking thing but he's walking around in these uh in this sewer like a hazmat kind of a suit 
all Zinco, Zinco out, Zincoed out. So yeah, that's a nice little, very, very like mysterious foreshadowing, like mm-hmm. having read the comic we know. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's the thing is like for this specific one, was this published? This was published later. This was published. No, this was on the original, the black flame run. This was the first issue you, that was. Published. Oh, I see. So my mistake. So I understand like, I'm reviewing it. I mean, I I still think it's a really fun and good read. I think the only reason that I can determine why they made the choice to sort of remove it from the Black Flame storyline and the reordering and then put it into this, one was to, I think they had other stories where they maybe were, the ones where we will continue to read, they probably didn't know where to put them. Yeah. And then they probably revisited this one, and it's good. It's a solid, it's a solid issue. But it yeah. feels like when you, you've already read The Black Flame, it doesn't, it's like the the way we read it, you get dropped in and you don't need this teaser. You, no, not really. I, I guess, yeah, I guess they just do it. I mean, it, I guess it exists to kind of enrich the story that we, you still get the elements of that story of uh, Liz and Daimyo at odds with each other, but it does kind of flesh that out um, a little bit more. But yeah, I guess it's like not super necessary. Like you get that from the other stories too. This is just like to further delve into that. Yeah. And I would, I would, I would argue too that maybe they could make the choice as well as that this is, even though this is a solid issue, sort of those dynamics of Liz and Daimyo, as well as even the, even though I love these two pages, I think the matching pages of of Daimyo and uh, Roger are fucking great. I hate yeah. that. It's sad to see those get removed out of the main, but they're at least yeah. they're here still existing. Um, but there is a bit of maybe the repetitiveness because that is explored yeah. still throughout solidly. All of those things are explored throughout those five issues and taking this away clearly shows that we, they, it wasn't, it wasn't a crutch or a, like necessary to have. Yeah. It. It's like a little redundant to have, yeah. to have it with, with everything. But it is, like you said, like it's nice to go back and kind of just read it because it it has its own merits on its own. For sure. I mean, it it primarily is an issue that's full of just sort of, I don't want to be disparaged towards Arcudi or Guy Davis because I think they're still working really well together. But the action, in a sense, it doesn't really have a build or I think they've done better in other stories to build. Yeah. This one sort of just feels like almost uh fill in the numbers or just sort of like okay they attack they're gone they 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 attack again they're gone they attack they're gone yeah and then a thing that leads into the main story so it, yeah it's, it's almost like a best. video game or something yeah i would say though that there's something here on page uh, of the omnibus version 164 and 165 Something that I think is you lose from digital to print, from pr- or from print to digital, is that's a two-page spread that of the of the frogs attacking on the top. Oh yeah, what a bummer! It is a bummer not to have the physical page to look at that because it does look fucking cool as hell. <laughs> I wish that was one of the settings in Hoopla to do a double page uh, kind of setup. Yeah, like or that. if they the people that I wish there was more of a curated hand in a lot of times the digital yeah. the transfers. So, because if you, I guess there's so much content, it's like hard, probably hard to keep up with. For sure, because you wish though that like if they would go in and be like, oh, that's supposed to be one page, 
let's transfer yeah. it that way. Let's com- connect yeah. them so that you you can flip it. Because a lot of times I have issues, like we've read stuff in the BPRD world where it is a one page spread and they've, it's printed that way. I have to turn, I turn my yeah. iPad and read it. It's, so it's interesting that it's not done here is all. Yeah, I agree. But Because but, uh, that is cool. For something that just now the way we're reading it and the way it feels like what's more just like a sort of a quick flashback. And as, as you already put it, Kate, well, is like it just informs us a little more of that, that story. Yeah. And you get some nice like head chomping and some cool like action-y stuff. Kicking. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I like all the, 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 the definitely the 80s action stuff came from Daimyo. You also get, I guess, like the biggest thing is seeing the the nest, like the egg yeah. sacs. Like you can see, oh, they're reproducing so quickly because they no longer just need human hosts. They're like generating themselves on their own. So I guess that's like a huge takeaway from it. Yeah, I think you're right on that. I think you don't want to lose that. And I think that's why it's chapter one. Now part yeah. of War on Frogs, for sure. Yeah. I think you're right on on that. And I love, we we kept speaking about the action stuff. I love the part where the, the second attack, or the um, the major, the, the second big attack, which is the third attack of frogs, of, is when, I love all the dialogue between Daimyo and uh, Novero, where he's like, son of a bitch, why do they keep coming? We're just going to get keep killing them. Even rats know enough to run from a gun. And he's all, rats might know, but people... They'll run at, at one. They'll run at one if they think they got a good enough reason. And the more I see these frogs, the more I realize they're all, almost as smart as and almost as stupid as we are. <laughs> it's just very funny. It is good. It's like a good, it's an action. It's an action movie. Yeah, Arcudi has a good, a good, uh, a good taste for knowing when to use it and when to back off. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. I, it's totally. very enjoyable. I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't yeah. when they eliminated it from the main black flame. They didn't just it just didn't dis- disappear. That they found a, right. another home for it. Totally, I agree. That's all. Well, let's move on to chapter two. Yeah, this has a really cool cover. Uh, Mignola cover of our old man, our old friend, uh, Roger on the cover fighting some frogs. Yeah, he's got the like. <laughs> Tongue ripped out of the mouth, wrapped around his yeah. forearm. Uh, it's really cool. It's very cool. I like this version because I think we've sort of seen uh, a lot of, in the past, I feel like Mignola mostly got to draw um, Roger in a very, like, melancholy. Like, yeah. He dealt with him in the melancholy stages. And then it was Guy Davis who really, through John Arcudi's writing, got to illustrate him in like taking on Daimyo's action poses and his like machismo, right? Yeah. His Rambo-ist. Right. His, yeah. His Daimyo <laughs> face. Yeah. And like this cool to see uh, Mignola be able to illustrate that in his own style on this cover. Oh yeah. Very cool. And then you got that, like, I love all the frogs and they're grotesque and they got bolt holes in them. <laughs> I like this like green blue blood that's coming out too. It's like a lot of fun. Because, like, the BPRD agent and Roger are both kind of, like, shades of gray, um, just yeah. naturally. And it's, like, really muted, like, green colors for the frogs and stuff, too. And then super popping green colors for the eyes and mouth of the frogs. Yeah. It's really great. And the bullet, the, the like, blood dripping from the bullet holes is, like, this nice bright blue. It's really, really cool. 
Yeah, it's like little small little details by Dave Stewart just to grab your eye. I like that. A lot of cool poses from these frogs too. Like just like you get the sense that they're really being swarmed and like Roger's up on like a mound of them or something. Yeah. I really like the one that's like behind the BPRD agent that's sort of almost hidden in there. Yeah. Him with like both his hands out. He almost looks like he's doing a wrestling move. Like yeah, grab. he's about to like <laughs> grapple this guy. <laughs> I love it. It's so cool. And then there's one that like in the corner by uh, Mignola's little square like signature of yeah. them. He's like that other one's falling on him and it almost looks startled like. Ah! Yeah, like ah! <laughs> falling back. <laughs> it's a great, it's a fun Good, clean Mignola cover. Yeah, right? it's awesome. <laughs> so take us through this this uh, story, which, oh, you can give us credits, too, for this. Oh, story. yeah. A story by John Arcudi, art by Herb Trimp and Guy Davis, colors by Dave Stewart, and lettered by Clem Robbins. Yeah, and it starts out in the Colorado BPRD headquarters back in June 2005, uh, Kate's like, hey, we have this file for Cavendish Hall. You were there, remember? It, like, it needs to go get checked out. Would you mind going back? And he's like, I'm not going back into the field, okay? Get off my ass. <laughs> you know, so he kind of, like, refuses to go back at this point. He's, like, in that part of his BPRD career where he's, like, depressed and not wanting to go out into the field at all. Yeah, um, it's, again, like, it feels like, again, the war frogs, which all of these, we're taking a step back, even though we've yeah. reached in BPRD a breaking point of D- Daimyo leaving after a massacre of the team or the the, the BPRD in, in a sense. They it's like we're almost just taking a breather to go back. That's what it feel, sort of feels like. To yeah. Me, to be like, look at these moments that sort of fill in a little bit of detail on me of, of moments, I guess. And it do, it's nice to see a little bit more of this version of Roger. It's like. Kate's like, well, then who's going to lead this team? Cut to Roger, like Commando Roger with his like huge gun and like grenades on his vest. (laughs) You know, he's got like forearms are covered with like armor and stuff. He's got like just enough body armor, but still his like, you know, his ring is like hanging out still. His vest to me looks like it's art designed by somebody that, um, that is trying to re like, I like it, but it's like, it looks cheap enough that it's like a, a, a film student trying to do a Mad Max movie. That's funny. <laughs> it's like, try, yeah, he's like trying to be badass. Like his, his, his arms are still exposed, <laughs> but every other, all the other BPRD agents are like fully in like scuba, like almost like space, like cosmonaut kind of scuba suits. Yeah, which is interesting because the last time we saw these suits that I can remember off the top of my memory in reading was The Drowning, which we just covered. And that was like years before this. Yeah. And now we're seeing them again, which is very interesting. It's cool. He's like leading them down to uh, Cavendish Hall. It's like, as we kind of were told at the end of that story, like has sunken into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just sort of looking around and they're like, well, you know, everything, all the like big bad stuff is going to be down in the caves below all of what we're looking at below the surface. Uh, Roger's like, yeah, I gotta go, um, dives <laughs> right in. Cause I guess he doesn't have to breathe. He's a, you know, he's a homunculus. So yeah, doesn't have to. 
There's a funny little shot of his butt here, like the panel of his butt diving into the water. There's like a couple of shots of his butt or his ring that are like funny throughout this. And uh, I'll just point that out every single time it comes up. I agree. Other than his splash is not very, is too big. He has a good uh, Olympic form. Good form. Very good form. (laughs) Abe would be proud if he wasn't too sad to leave the BPRD headquarters. Yeah, so he's like swimming down and we see like, you know, skeletons at the bottom of this lake. He sees a cave and swims into it. He emerges, lights a flare, and they kind of like the Cavendish brothers. Oh, yeah. We talked about the butt. Kate. Oh yeah, that, there's a very the third panel in here is yeah almost erotic. It's like a crazy. It's like I, I I'm like so used to seeing this character at this point that I, I like I I can't believe I breezed right past that. He's got water <laughs> dripping off of his butt cheek, and his like ring is visible through his parted legs as he like crawls up onto the shore. Uh, I mean his. At least you see, like, a tasteful ass cheek. It's not, like, his exposed or non-asshole. Like, I don't even know what you would see if you, like, spread Roger's butt cheeks. I don't even want to. But I can't like, believe I even said that out loud, but well, here we are talking all, about it. We're all, we, I feel like everybody out there is What's in there? Thought that once. More rings. <laughs> it's so funny. I When I was, uh, I went to, like... I took art classes in college and sometimes we would get a model like you, we would have to draw naked models for like live drawing classes. And so the one dude had a pierce, the one model who would come in had his like scrotum pierced, like a big ring on it. And I haven't thought about this in a long time, but yeah, it was like a big ring that was like really visible and so you would see it like it was almost reminds me of this. Like if you were behind him and he was in a certain pose, you could see it from the back. <laughs> oh it was God. wild. Like because it was like rural, it was pretty rural Pennsylvania. So it's like, you know, it just makes me think about like who you're going to find around there. Who's like willing to get naked for all these college students for yes. probably like a hundred bucks or something. Um, so we had a lot of like interesting characters, like people with a lot of tattoos and shit. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's what that's making me think of. Um, thank you very much for, for wheeling me back to that one. Cause I would have just breezed right over it. I'm just saying you were doing a great job. I, <laughs> I, I had to interrupt because I was like, we had the other butt shots. I even said, cause I ultimate. had a shot in mind. I have a shot in mind that we're going to see. So I think I, I was like focused on that one and just like okay. completely glazed over this excellent one. He yeah, he gets to the shore after, you know, crawling up wide legged <laughs> lights a flare. And he can see that there are a lot of portraits and like furniture and stuff has been brought from what was left of Cavendish Hall down into this cave by the two brothers. We see the corpse of the lady of the hall, their mom. She still has like the wounds from the frog, like the frog, like suction cup tongue stuff there. The portraits are in like varying states of decay. We see one portrait that's in a pretty in pretty good shape with the two brothers and their mom together. You know, pretty stern folk, even in life. Mm -hmm. Roger's thinking to himself like, oh, is this your idea of homeboys? Is this you trying to remember what being human was? 
Which is interesting for Roger to say because we've seen in like previous comics that he collected all of these little knickknacks and things to try to be like his connection to humanity. So he, him looking at this at at somebody who at like the, the living space of people who were human, who are now these frog creatures and kind of contemplating their humanity is kind of a, it's kind of an interesting look at like how he thinks about like, he, he sounds almost like pitying because I think he's at this point taking on that like daimyo persona. Yeah, that's what I was going to agree with you on, is that I think it's a lot of Daimyo's influence coming yeah. through. Because I, I honestly, the language is written, I, I think Arcudi's doing a great job in this voiceover and that we're like in his head. Yeah. is very, feels very influenced by Ben. Like I can hear Ben saying like, oh, I see this, you fucking think this right. is Right, you weirdos. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, like chomping on a cigar or something. Yeah. yeah that's very much what it feels like even his like stance and then this is the shot i was thinking of where he like looks at the corpse of the mom and it's literally like a close-up shot of his butt in the foreground then his ring and then in between his legs is lady cavendish (laughs) through the legs like framed by his legs it's an insane draw it's so crazy like at this point, it just makes me think that they were just having fun. They were like, yeah. this is such a weird thing to draw, such a weird character and such a weird element. Like, it almost makes me want to ask Mignola, like, if you knew how big of a character this was going to end up being, would you change Roger's crotch situation? <laughs> or what would you do? Like, Or like, that's the beauty of it. We never know until. So funny. But it is like a weird choice just in general. It, like if you were on a set. Yeah. A lot Because I think comics and film has sort of similarities. Like you're choosing a shot. Yeah. And comics more so. Like a, a movie, you kind of like, it, it's probably going to move away from the shot or cut. From right. It. Depending on like, oh, we have like these circumstances are making me change my vision. This is literally someone in their head executing their exact vision. <laughs> It's going to stay. This thing yeah. is permanent. And it's such a silly choice to make. And and even, and I feel like this story is a little somber. So it's very funny to have it so many funny. butt shots. And particularly this shot that's under his legs framing her is so fucking, it's almost like this should be in like a dirt diggler. Like it feels film, like it shot. should be. It feels <laughs> like it's like, initially it feels like it's almost like a cheap joke. But I think right. that it is a way to to show the reader very obviously Roger is a fucking weirdo. He's a homunculus. Don't forget it. Like he's sitting here taught like his inner monologue has changed and become more human. But it's only because he's like imprinting on Daimyo. He's like soaking up this personality from the people around him. And so I think to show like him contemplating the humanity of these things that have lo- lost sp- some element of their humanity while being non-human himself. I think they are still in a way, you know, they're still drawing that, you know, they they want you to think about that, but it's, it's with a very funny use of, of framing here. Like literally Roger literally is framing the picture. It's like, he's judging this scene for being so bizarre. Meanwhile, he has a big metal ring for a dick and has no asshole. You know, it's like, yeah, 
But I, it's I, so silly, but it's I still I, think it works. <laughs> I still think I mean I what you just said about hint, like what they're trying to go for. Yeah. I think you're right on. I just think this frame is just weirdly Goofy. the wrong choice. It's like it's like it should have just been a close up of her. Because it's literally but the that's line how in they're that doing frame. it. That's how they're draw. It's like he is the literal. So we're seeing it from his frame, as in his point of view. But then we're also literally seeing this weird scene through a literal frame of his legs with the, the thing that's weirdest about him: his big metal ring on his crotch. Like, it's so I, I, it's very distracting. But it's it as a visual metaphor for what we're looking at. I think it sums it up pretty well. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to like this as much. And I I, I I, didn't give it as much thought the first time I read it. But looking at it now, I'm like, this is actually really well thought out. <laughs> <panel. All right. laughs> I'm really won over. I wonder why he did the pen. I wonder why he did the pencils on this. It looks so much like it's just Guy Davis. Yeah, I thought it was. There's a couple of elements that I'm like, oh, I I can tell it's not him. It's somebody doing Guy Davis. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah. Let's move on from let's, that frame within a frame. Never look at this frame again. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so then as he goes to touch the corpse of the mother, we have emerging from the murky water, one of the sons who is, uh, as Roger discussed with one of the BPRD agents on the shore, these guys have been around for like 11 years, so they're going to be a little freakier than your average frog. They're huge and mutated even further. One comes up and attacks him, and Roger has this fun line of like, that's why God invented hand grenades. Goes to pull for it, but the frog is still has still like some remnant of his humanity, his intellect, so he can tell that Roger's reaching for his grenade. Knocks him on his ass. And wraps him up in his tongue that has that, like, numbing effect. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's killing Roger. He picks up the grenade, but it falls into the water and explodes. But it knocks both of them back. And this thing is, the frog is just unrelenting. So Roger has to continue to, like, kick its ass. There's a really fun shot, too, of him stomping on the lower jaw of the frog as it's down on the ground. And that makes the jaw close and the teeth chop off the tongue yeah it's which cool i thought move. was really cool yeah i was like oh that's neat and then he's just you know just walloping this frog but then he turns to see that his gun has been picked up by the other brother who's you know now they're just tag team wrestling roger <laughs> and, bushwhackers. yeah just smashing him kicking his ass there's a lot of like great uh whomping and cracking um, all kinds of stuff as they're just like exchanging blows. Roger pretty much outsmarts one where he like as the frog tries to like bludgeon him with his huge automatic rifle. <laughs> Roger grabs it just enough to be able to start like blasting one of the one of the um, shells hits the other brother frog in the leg. And then a huge grenade like RPG shoots from the gun Hits the mom, blows her up in a fiery explosion. Her head thunks along the the floor, um, you know, and just rolls to a stop. And the two frog brothers are just looking at it aghast. They're so distraught. They start screaming. They pick up the head. They're holding their their own head in, like, um, despair as the other brother, like, 
picks it up and just wails. They're so sad. You know, this is like the only yeah. they they kind of made a little life down here. They loved their mother. It was they loved their mom. Yeah. It, and they were just existing. Because the last time we saw them, which I think is illustrated in the beginning. Yeah. But that's the last time we saw them. They they submerged with their dead mother in yeah. the water. Yeah. Which was illustrated and, and talked about earlier. But yeah, they didn't want to. Yeah, they didn't want to do anything but. Just be a family, and this was their fucked up version of being a family down under this pond. They like very carefully put the head down. Uh, like I, I, that's such a sweet panel. Like the one is putting down the head gingerly, the other one's like slowly, slowly, you know, like but with not with yeah. words, but like with grunts. Yeah. They turn to Roger, super pissed, and he's like, "Don't, ah, oh, damn it!" And he has to. Blast them with this fucking round that lights them both on fire. Whatever the fuck this gun is, it's like something else. And they just are, you know, they're rendered dust. They're just completely fucking eviscerated. Their bones are just littering the floor of the the little uh whatever shore that's under uh, underground cave in here. Yeah. Then Roger's just sitting there kind of like thinking, contemplating what just happened. And finally, some more BPRD members emerge. They're like, hey, we heard shooting. You didn't call us. All that's left of your two big frogs. Don't ask me why. They shoot at a number on you, but I guess they won't bother anybody else. And who exactly were they bothering in the first place, Roger says. So he's like pretty sad. He kind of feels like he went in here and fucked up this family, even though they're not, they're obviously not human. They're like monstrosities and living in this like, you know, horrid parody of a family, family life. It still was something to them. And they still obviously had like enough mental capacity to like care about their mom and each other. And Roger came in here and fucking blew them all up. And so he feels pretty guilty, I think. They're like, a BPRD agent's like, okay, we'll have everybody come in here and tag stuff and clean it up. Roger's like, no, we're just leaving. And then the final panel sort of uh, mirrors the painted portrait that we saw of the Cavendish family, the three skulls. (laughs) The The two brothers surrounding the skull of the mom, um, who hopefully are finally at rest. And that's the, the look that we get kind of informing us a little bit more about Roger. And his like self awareness in becoming human. Yeah, like you you get a bit of his his natural humanity or what he maybe learned from Hellboy seeping through. Yeah. Even though he's his personality has been dominated by Ben. Yeah. Yeah. It's very it's it's a cool it's a cool little sh- like it, in a sense it feels just like another a side story that we get a little exactly moment. that's exactly what it felt like yeah. With so many butt shots. I'm sorry, that's all. So many like, even distracting when re- butt shots. Through that whole fight scene, if you're just looking for butts, it's so funny. I remember, I forget what issue it was exactly, but it's like when Daimyo first shows up and he looks at Roger and he's like, Jesus Christ, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. Put some pants on. And then when he does put pants on, they're like tight leather pants that show the outline of the ring. And he's like, I got pants. And Daimyo's like, just fucking forget it. Yeah, um, it's worth. <laughs> I mean, just put Roger in some baggy pants. Give him some jinkos or something. Cause like, yeah. you know, it's hard to say. It's like if Hellboy didn't wear pants, it would be pretty distracting. Yeah, Hellboy. Exactly. Hellboy's got a tail, but he still has little trousers that have a tail hole in them that he puts on every day. You know. <laughs> yeah. So like, you could figure something out here. 
during this fight scene, I kept trying to imagine. I kept trying to imagine taking taking Roger serious as an action star during this mm-hmm. fight. And I was like, you can, but you can't at the same time. You're you got to really suspend disbelief. I think if they ever did a theatrical version of this character, they would have to change that, I think. I don't think your average audience member is going to be like, uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. There's going to be a lot of things you're going to have to tinker around with. I wonder if there's like some precedent for this look. Like, I wonder if Mignola saw something about homunculi that like had that as an element of the visuals of it. Like, where does this ring come from? Why does he have a ring there? Right. I mean, I could see something covering, you know, something instead of, I don't know. Is it supposed to be a chain? Is it some? Is that what they like drag him from? That would be my assumption that it was like attached to a chain, but I don't think he is attached to a chain by his dick, or you know, by his like. Him, no, I don't think so. I think he just has that. <laughs> so it's like, well, what's the practicality? Like, you know, I feel like he, for as much thought as Mignola gives all of his like character design, this element of this character is pretty baffling to me. Yeah, you're. Uh, I agree. And I mean, it's it's an enjoyable little like story, but like this thing, that element always felt a little goofy to me, which still didn't ruin the story or it didn't ruin. No, the no, I still it. like the character. I think it's it just it had action elements in the sense of like they literally the creatures immediately rip off his vest, so it's like almost like in an action film of like let's show the hero's chest. And you're like he's already exposed so much. Yeah. <laughs> It's very oh, funny. I just found a little quote by Magnola. Can I read this? Uh, yes, please. This is from... Oh, sorry. Of course, it just left immediately. Okay. This is from uh, CBR.com, a conversation with Mike Magnola. One reader asked the panel about the character Roger, a homunculus, and the origins of the large metal ring attached to his crotch. Not a lot of thought went into that one, joked Magnola. He's got to be naked, but you can't really make him naked. How about a two-by-four? If there's going to be a two by four, let's put a big metal ring on it so you could time to a post. I don't know what that says about me. The one gag I did give John when we when he took over BPRD was I want a scene where they try to make him wear pants. That worked out better than I ever could have imagined. So (laughs) that's it. It's like not, you know, he he probably just was. I guess it was just fun for him to draw. Yeah. Tie him to a post. Tie him to a post. What's what I thought? I thought something to do with you. You were right. A chain or something. And this is really funny because Herb, he is, he's like an iconic, like Silver Age comic book artist. He's most notable for Hulk and the original run, like Wolverine. He drew Wolverine when his first iteration. Cool. And it's, it's, it's very cool. It's interesting to, I mean, I guess because he's in his 60s. I don't know where he is artistically. It looks like it's pronounced Trimp. Just Trimp? To, yeah. Right, thank you. Um, it's very interesting. He would have been, if he he, he passed away in 20, uh, 2015, this came out, what was the year again on this? I think 05. Oh, well, 05 is when it's set. And then I think it was published in 08. So he's like 65 when they work on this. Right. So I wonder if it, that's why it's sort of him and Guy. It's like, well, okay, Herb is at the age that he can go so far, maybe. And mm-hmm. he needs, then it's like a feeling. I, I'm very curious because I was like looking at his older art of like original Wolverine and stuff that he drew. And it's just like, oh, yeah, like 
I don't want to disparage his work here. No, but it's no. Just like younger it's man. It's not on the time. same level. Yeah, I think like you know, it's like whenever I read about like Charles Schultz starting to have like a shaky line and just getting depressed, it's just like you reach a certain age and you can't, you don't have that dexterity in your hands anymore, and it's that must suck so bad. Yeah. So it's cool that they have him on here, but it definitely feels like it's a little more him and you could just feel, I think you already said, it feel, I think it, it probably wasn't Herb trying to do Guy, but it feels like Guy had to come in and maybe finesse things, I yeah. guess, and get the, get the Or job like done. finalize stuff maybe. Maybe he like did the poses and then Guy Davis maybe came in and put some detail over the the poses or composition. Yeah. Like I'm I'm wondering if that's it because I think the compositions do feel pretty different and they there's so much action in this one. Yeah. Like like just brutalize it. Like it makes sense that this guy would have done a lot of like the Hulk and stuff like that cuz there's just a ton of a big green guy beating somebody up. So that makes sense to me in in my head. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean <laughs> It, it, I think it, yeah, its tone is, it like, it makes a lot of sense too, what you're saying, looking back at where he comes from and the, the humor that's sort of there in the panels. Yeah. And that's probably a lot of what the butt shot comes from. It could be like an older guy going, this is funny. I'm drawing a guy that has no fucking. I bet face. it's both. I bet it's both. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, Cause it is pretty silly. Like even if you're drawing comics, you're like, what does he have on his? Okay. <laughs> yeah totally you know you probably have a high threshold for silliness if you're drawing comic books but even then it's like oh okay a big metal ring okay okay great <laughs> yeah it's gotta make you laugh totally I really did like I enjoyed like in his one page that was the flashback for Abe did you see um oh no, wait ahead. well sorry one more thing in the sketchbook pages um I don't know if it's on the same edition I haven't checked them out but please it tell me there's like a little cool note in the ver in the sketchbook pages at the end of the of the BPRD compilation that's like BPRD twelve yeah. that's just War on Frogs, which doesn't include the one that we read with like like the publication of this is all oh, kind of shuff yeah. shuffled. It's crazy. But um so Scott Alley, Boo, he makes a note about about the sketchbook saying, um, uh, Warren Frogs came about through a phone call between John Arcudi and me during a Christmas vacation when I was, I was at my parents' home in Massachusetts in 2007. We were working with Herb, Herb Tramp on an eight-page goon story that would run on MySpace Dark Horse Presents, which shows you, like, what a, you know, puts you right there, 2007. MySpace Dark Horse Presents the following month, and we wanted to do something else with Herb. Uh, since we work most extensively together on BPRD, we realized that we the, that would be the quickest thing to pull together. John started musing with Herb Trimp about doing a Nick Fury war comic starring the Hulk. If you know Herb's history at Marvel, you'll see that was you'll see why that was a good fit. Um, Roger by then already dead, uh, and the ongoing War on Frogs was the perfect match. It was a great opportunity to do another Roger story without bringing him back from the dead. As the idea grew over the phone, we realized War on Frogs would be a great way to do a bunch of one-shots with different artists, so we called Mignola and got him on board. Um, Herb ran into trouble schedule-wise, so we put Guy Davis in to ink him, leading oh. to a bizarre hybrid of their very different styles, which is like, it's crazy. You gotta you gotta look at the at this sketchbook because it's like 
pretty drastically different. Um, they show an example of Herb's pencils and Guy and Dave finishing up for him. The following page presents another comparison with a couple of Herb's inked um, before realizing the schedule had gotten away from him. So Herb Trimp was going to be doing his pencils and his own inking. But then Guy Davis came in and inked them in a very Guy Davis way. So it is very much like because Herb's style is very different from Guy Davis's. Like this sketchbook really shows that, too. And it's really a shame that he didn't have time to finish them because I think they are so cool looking. I'm going to check them out. I'll download it. I'm going to visually right now. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Or or, yeah. Yeah. You you know which one it is. It's the um, the volume 12 version that has the sketchbook at the end. And they're just like really cool looking. And I think, you know, Guy Davis does um, kind of do some justice to the composition, at least. But he turned it's definitely in his own hand and his own style, which is Um, another example of how much again, I think we've talked about this before. uh, We most likely have. It's just interesting to see how every step makes such a huge difference. Like, I think it's enormous. It really shows you because we give so much credit to like, again, like a band, we go like it's the lead singer or anything, like a director, yeah. we go, that's the director. It's like, but it's like, it, like the mic has been inking himself and everything, but mm-hmm. we do, if you bring in someone else to ink, it's going to change it one way or the other. And that's totally. a great example to show how important every person is on the team. So, yeah. And how you guys should. Definitely check out the sketchbook at the end. It's bonkers. I love it. That's a great. I'm glad you uh, threw that out there. Yeah. And, you know, Trimp, Shrimp, who I just said is the name <laughs> Shrimp a bunch of times, just to remind myself how to say it correctly. Um, <laughs> but that's great insight. Thanks for sharing that, Kate. Really yeah, totally. Um, and I really liked his one panel. I liked the, his Rasputin um, in mm-hmm. the flashback panel. I think that's a really cool, uh, just quick information. I like. His Sadhu Ham is just sort of his style, clearly. With what you said, I think, again, guy coming in and giving some details on top of his poses and so forth. But I don't know. I really like that Rasputin. It looks a little more Guy Davis than her, but, like, still, I like that. But overall, I mean, it's a fun little, like, it's good to have Roger back briefly oh, yeah. and enjoying it. Um, any other highlights for you other than butts? I like the... Tongue getting chopped off a lot. I thought that I like was reading it and I was like, oh, cool. Like, it's just a fun thing. Like, we see these big lolling tongues from these creatures all the time. It's fun to see one lose its tongue like that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a damn cool action move. Yeah, so. for sure. There's a lot of cool actiony shit. The head bopping and then putting down the head gingerly to the two brothers, you know, reverently handling the remains of their mother i think is like you know in a in an otherwise kind of a silly comic <laughs> it's yeah, sure. pretty touching and cool i agree and I, I really like when the grenade goes off i think that's a cool moment oh the yeah whole. there's a lot of cool i really overall really liked this one a lot oh i did too i think it's it was a really enjoyable i think what you t- said already about the touching moments really work yeah so especially for Roger, who we miss. He's never coming back, but we really miss I him. I know. That's a cool thing. It made me think that we should all watch rewatch Psycho. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because of the mom. Maybe yeah, the, the dead mother. mom. Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has uh, elements of that, yeah. 
That's true with the grandma. Mm-hmm. I mean, the grandpa trying to smash that with the hammer. Yeah. Right. Well, that is chapter one and chapter two of War on Frogs. Not of Dave, on frogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's, it's really cool to have these stories. I think it's fun. We've we got a good taste of a little bit more involvement with Black Flame. And then we also got to see more of Roger and his complexity with his new personality he's taken on from Daimyo yeah. versus like him, his being sympathetic for a moment. There's just cool complexity and we got to see a lot of his butt. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Most importantly, his butt was there. Yeah. Both very valuable. <laughs> but again, it, I mean, these are just vignettes. That's how I've, I, I'm bringing it very, it seems very reminiscent of the beginnings of BBR, BPRD where we had different yeah. artists telling the story. Uh, Totally. But so far, I'm enjoying them. So Absolutely. Adding on to that, listeners, we want to hear your thoughts, your additions um, on all of these storylines. So please email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Um, we want to hear from you. We love hearing from you. And we'll share your, um, your thoughts right here on the show. And just remember that you can follow us on social media as well. That's Podcast. At, on Instagram, it's Crap Hellboy on Twitter. We will respond to your comments and things like that or your direct messages. Just be aware that on the, for the most part, we don't share that stuff on the show just to keep our minds, keep it simple for us. That's <laughs> yeah. the best way to put it. Uh, but if you do want your sh- your thoughts on the show, definitely email us again at awcrap at hellboypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but again, thank you again for listening out there. There's another thing I want to ask you, though, before I let you go. If you can, please rate and review us on whatever platform that you listen to the show, if they'll give you that option. Or go out of your way and go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. If that review starts with the word boom, we will give you a big old shout-out and read your review right here on the show. We call those boom reviews. And if you do more of those boom reviews, then we have more listeners and we, can, we just keep doing this show. I have a fun little, uh, small little community that loves Hellboy and the whole Mignola bird. So we'd really appreciate that. And also share the podcast with your friends, family, whoever you think would enjoy it. Uh, but that's it. Uh, yeah. All I can say is thank you again for listening. And remember, we love you. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Bigfoot Collectors Club. You're here to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.